It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Please take care of yourself. Welcome to Fruit Loops episode 219. Whoa. Thank you so much for being <laughs> here with us and for listening. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and those who are othered and the victims, because contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cisgender, able bodied white dudes. What? That's right. These crimes rarely get any public attention because the news is racist. Allegedly. <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a Black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth, and I just happen to be white. She's one of the good ones, but she's not one of the good ones who's actually a bad one and just says she's a good one. She's a for real good one. <laughs> <laughs> We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. So who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Joseph Brandt, a serial killer who confessed to murdering four women in New Orleans in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Mm. And this story was suggested by our Fruity Lee. Thanks, Lee! Yeah, thank you. Also, I mean, the saga that is Katrina and its aftermath. I yeah. mean, there's so much content out there. And I, th I feel like this was one of those times where... After a uh, disaster, I think people thought, oh, nobody's watching. The, I think a lot of people thought they could get away with stuff in the aftermath of Katrina. And they just right. couldn't. But <laughs> <And> eventually, <laughs> the truth will out. Exactly. It will set us all free, if you will. Now, uh, <laughs> before we get into it, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> good. So we had a nice long break uh -huh. and uh, uh, I really needed it. Really yeah, needed it. Me too. Now me I'm ready too. to get back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Get back at it. I missed potting with Beth. Me too. And I am very excited to be back. It's good to have a break so that you can actually miss the yeah, thing. Yeah, refreshed, yeah. refreshed. And, yep. you know, we, we check in every now and again, like, do you still want to do this? Uh, <laughs> yep, and still on do. <laughs> so, I don't know why. We must be nuts. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's almost like the fruities know. We get some of the most beautiful, wonderful we messages. Do. And they come at just the right time. Like the universe knows, the fruities know. 
And those messages, those positive ones, just like rejuvenate, restore me. Yeah. And help keep me going. So thank y'all. For sure. All right. Well, let's get into some listener. Well, hello, angels. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you. What's in the bag, Beth? Well, I wanted to say thank you to Katie for your beautiful email. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. That was one of the emails that really uh, brightened up our day, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And then Nikki Nicole 96 for your five-star review. Yay! And Laura and Olivia for your kind comments on YouTube. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you all, Hip Hop Airhorns, to Katie, Nikki Nicole, and Laura and Olivia. We also did get a new Patreon while we were on break. So, Jennifer, thank you. Here's a Hip Hop Airhorn for you. And here's your tune. I've been listening to a lot of Les Mis. Something I tend to do in the wintertime. I don't know. So... I am warning you, Jennifer. I'm a stronger pod by far. There is power in me yet. My race is not yet run. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, thank you, Jennifer. That's my favorite part in the Jean Valjean uh, Javert confrontation. And Jennifer, I hope you like it. <laughs> so please send any questions or comments too. FruitLoopsPod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. And we may feature it on a future episode. But if you don't want us to, just let us know and we won't. Boom. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Simple as that. All right, y'all. Before we get into our episode, we would like to say that this is a podcast about true crime. It's also a podcast about people of color and those who are marginalized. And true crime is difficult to talk or hear about sometimes. So can race or other ills of society. It's just challenging conversations. Yeah. But it's just part of the world that we live in. And we're global citizens. We all exist here. And we all have an opportunity to talk about these things and learn about these things. We want this to be a safe space where we can do all of that. And, you know, we're all learning all the time. And sometimes we will make mistakes. We have done it numerous times, (laughs) but we just, we cop to it. We learn from it, try to do better, keep it moving on our collective quest to be our best sexy selves. Amen. Yeah. And we welcome our listeners to be a part of the conversation on Facebook or Twitter at Fruit Loops Pod or email us at fruitloopspod at gmail.com. All right. So let's take a quick break and get into the story when we come back. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. 
The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. And we're back. Remind us, Beth, who is our subject again today? Our subject today is Joseph Brandt, a serial killer who confessed to murdering four women in New Orleans in 2007 and 2008. All right. This is our love and light section where we say rest in paradise to the women who lost their lives and love and light to their loved ones and communities left in the wake of their deaths. The victims are an unidentified woman or Jane Doe who died on October 17th, 2007. Jody Johnson was 47. She was from Georgia. Jessica Hawk was 32 from Ohio. And Kirsten Brightham was 25 from California. And now we're going to move on to the setting because marginalized folks are affected by true crime too. Would you believe it, girls? And what? we think <laughs> that their stories deserve the context that they normally do not get. So let's get into the setting. Take us there, Beth. Well, the setting is New Orleans, Louisiana, and we've been here before, but uh, here's a little refresher. Mm. First, let us say that the original inhabitants of the land that New Orleans sits on were the Chitimacha. The Chitimacha tribe of Louisiana is the only tribe in Louisiana to still occupy a portion of their aboriginal homeland. Wow. Yeah. So the city of Nolens is located in the southern United States of Louisiana on the banks of the Mississippi River. M-I, crooked letter I, humpback, humpback, crooked letter <laughs> I. I got it wrong again. Anyway, straddling <laughs> Lake Pontchartrain uh, to the west and Lake Bourne to the east, New Orleans is approximately 80 miles southwest of the Louisiana capital, Baton Rouge. New Orleans is sometimes called the Crescent City because it's shaped like a crescent as it bends along Lake Pontchartrain. The area around New Orleans has abundant ecological resources and a convenient network of rivers, bayous, and bays. Out on the bayou! <laughs> now, Louisiana was a colony of France and then Spain. And then France again, before it became an American territory in 1803, and New Orleans became a unique city with a complicated, understatement, colonial and racial history. Yeah. <laughs> New Orleans culture is an eclectic blend of African-American, French and Spanish influences. In the 18th century, Creole people were defined as French or Spanish descendants born in the colony. The forced settlement of enslaved people from Africa and the West Indies introduced their cultures to the city. The Cajun people of South Louisiana, also known as Louisiana Acadians, were French colonists who, more than 350 years ago, settled in the French colony of Acadia, now Nova Scotia, and adjacent areas. The British exiled them, jerks, resulting in a, <laughs> no, just kidding, in a wave of Cajuns settling in the swamps and bayous of Louisiana. In the mid-1800s, the highest concentration of millionaires in America wow. could be found between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Mm. That's nuts. Yeah. Their wealth came largely from sugarcane plantations, 
which depended on the free labor of thousands of Black people trapped in bondage within the brutal American institution of chattel slavery. New Orleans was also the nation's busiest slave marketplace throughout the antebellum era of 1803 to 1861. And slave people in New Orleans were sold and rented almost everywhere. I mean, you could you could rent a slave for a day to like do a, a day job for you. You didn't necessarily have to have a plantation right. to engage in the exploitation of slave labor. But slave pens, ships, hotels, and even public parks held events for the buying and selling of enslaved human beings. According to historian Lawrence N. Powell, more enslaved people from the Upper South were brought to New Orleans in transit to the region's plantations than the total number brought to the U.S. during the transatlantic slave trade. That's, That's crazy. A lot. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Staggering numbers. Yeah. Shameful numbers also. Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> After the Civil War and through the Reconstruction era... There was a concerted effort by white people to dismantle any progress made and to contain, segregate, and disempower free people of color. In essence, everything that could be segregated in Louisiana was. Mm. And lynchings increased dramatically in New Orleans after 1900, primarily in the northern parishes. So new pump technology led to draining of the low-lying swampland located between the Mississippi River and Lake Pontchartrain. New levees and drainage canals meant that many residents could live below sea level. Yay! <laughs> After World War II, suburbanization and conflicts over school integration led to white flight, leaving a core that was increasingly black and impoverished. The city grew as a tourist attraction. Hundreds of thousands of annual visitors are drawn to the Mardi Gras festivities and the distinct Creole culture that includes Native American, European, and strong African and Caribbean influences. Beautiful. Yeah. Also, title of Jordan Peele's next movie, White Flight. Anyway, <laughs> it's gonna be terrifying. Anyway, a true melting pot of cultures. New Orleans has a wealth of unique heritage and proud traditions. It is best known for its music, vibrant nightlife, numerous festivals, Creole and Cajun food, and colonial architecture. The city's historic heart is the French Quarter, known for its French and Spanish Creole architecture and vibrant nightlife among Bourbon Street. And just saying all those words takes me back there. Ooh, yeah. I love yeah. it so much. Makes, <laughs> makes me excited. I want to go. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love the city of New Orleans. Yeah. It's such an amazing city. Pre and post Katrina. I've, yeah. I've been and uh, Both. loved it. Yeah. Early in the morning on August 29th, 2005, Hurricane Katrina struck the Gulf Coast. Hurricane Katrina was one of the most powerful Atlantic storms on record with winds in excess of 170 miles per hour. Mm. At the time the storm hit, New Orleans was one of the blackest cities in America. Tens of thousands of residents fled, but many did not have the resources to flee, particularly among the city's poorest residents and those who were elderly or lacked access to transportation. Not everybody has a car, y'all. Yeah. So New Orleans poor and working class Black people, including their elderly and their children, were the most affected by the storm. They stayed because the city's evacuation plan, which didn't account for massive traffic out of the region, fell apart. And rather than bring the remaining people out, officials sent them to the Superdome and the Convention Center, which were quickly overcrowded and undersupplied. 
A rapper who shall remain nameless said it best during a concert for Hurricane Relief, quote, George Bush doesn't care about Black people, end quote. Thus, Where's the lie? Yes. Thank you. Ah, oh, she did it again. <laughs> Hashtag be like Beth. Anyway, thus echoing the sentiments of Black Americans around the country who were witnessing their government's neglectful response to an emergency. Yeah. In an ABC News and Washington Post poll taken shortly after the hurricane, 71% of Black people said that New Orleans would have been better prepared if it were a wealthier city with more white people. And 76% said the federal government would have responded faster. I'm sorry. I was just looking around for no lies detected. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> so while the storm itself did a great deal of damage, its aftermath was catastrophic. Yeah. In New Orleans, levee failures led to massive flooding, and the federal government was way too slow to respond. Eventually, nearly 80% of the city was underwater. And I remember getting the, like, seeing the news and getting the call about Hurricane Katrina hitting land. And remember, Fruities know this, but I was going to go to college in New Orleans. Oh, to that's Xavier, right. Yeah. And I just, I, at the last minute, decided not to. And I just, like, my whole life flashed before my eyes, as I'm sure wow. it did to the people there. But man, I, Butterfly effect, like this, little decisions and uh, have big impacts and you just never right. know what's going to happen. But anyway, it, it trips me out that I could have been there. Yeah. So the days and weeks after Katrina were marked with scandalous mismanagement as the federal government made history with its incompetence and failure. Thousands of New Orleans residents who weren't evacuated and couldn't escape the city actually were kept from escaping the city. Mm, they were trapped. They were trapped and the police were not letting Help them me. out. Mm, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh. And they were left with inadequate aid and shelter and all but abandoned by officials who couldn't or in some cases wouldn't help them. The images were also horrifying. Like this yeah. is America. I mean, there was dead bodies just out people floating were, in yeah, the water. People, yeah. And it was like people on roofs like help us. Like, oh, it was a disaster. And FEMA yeah. showed up. Uh, they took days to establish operations in New Orleans and even then did not seem to have a plan of action. Officials, including President Bush, seemed unaware of just how bad things were in New Orleans. Yeah. They were like, oh, heck of oh, a job, Brownie. Wow. Yeah. Remember what? that? No. No. What are you talking about? <laughs> this sounds like, am I going to hate somebody after this? What is what is happening? Oh, this Bush. What did he say? President Bush. Heck, heck of a job, Brownie. Who's Which Brownie? Was, he was... Um, the governor? I can't remember what his name was, but he was like in charge of FEMA or something. <gasps> Oh. And he was one of uh, Bush's friends and he called him Brownie because that's, you know, they're his nickname for him. OK, his, I think his last name was probably Brown or something. Or, or he had a poop accident in college. Yeah, and one now or they the other or both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he was like, yeah, great job. And yeah, no idea how bad this was. No. Oh, my God. I have to look this up. You're looking up the Brownie thing? <laughs> Yeah, heck of a job, Brownie. Um, yeah, he was the FEMA director. Oh, interesting. I didn't remember that fact. But, you know, we, you and I live in two different Americas. We've established that. And yeah. I remember, I will never forget what Kanye said. And here you are remembering 
what George what Bush said President about Brownie. Bush said. Yeah. yeah, the other thing I always remember is uh, Barbara Bush saying that when people were evacuated uh, to other cities, or not evacuated, they were moved to other cities to live. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was at a shelter. I don't know. I don't remember where she was. Details. But... Don't fact check us. <laughs> Go ahead. She was like, this worked out very well for them. You know, like, oh my oh, God, lady. Really, Barbara? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Could somebody get Barbara out of here, please? <laughs> we don't want her to say any more words. That's the other thing I always remember. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Make sure you're registered to vote. I <laughs> probably mentioned that in the last episode we t- when we talked about Hurricane Katrina. Because oh, anyway. Well, I don't remember this. <laughs> so Hurricane Katrina was the most expensive natural disaster in American history at the time costing over $186 billion. Wow. Tens of thousands of people were trapped in the deluge for days, and over 1,500 people, some estimates say over 1,800 people, Mm. died in the storm and its aftermath. Over 400,000 people were left without homes. Oh, my gosh. Katrina's victims tended to be low-income and Black in disproportionate numbers, and many of those who lost their homes faced years of hardship. I also remember the celebrities who had a connection there, like Ellen's from Louisiana and Harry Connick, or is it Harry Connick Jr.? They were, you know, like, yeah, let's go help New Orleans. Helping out. Yeah, Yeah. but barely made a dent. Yeah. Many of those who lost their homes faced years of hardship. The population in New Orleans, which was more than 480,000 at the time, was almost halved. Many evacuees never returned. Many businesses also decided not to return. And some say the city hasn't fully recovered from the storm and its effects. Yeah. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder... All this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con.
Analyzing stories from the period, researchers found exaggerated claims of violence among Katrina victims, as well as grossly inaccurate reports of crime and disorder. Mm -hmm. The media coverage was biased and racist. And I recently listened to a podcast, can't remember what it was. They were talking about how this happens a lot with natural disasters. Mm -hmm. There's inaccurate reporting of crime Mm -hmm. and disorder. And Mm -hmm. then the authorities come in and create a situation where oh, there's crime make it and worse. Disorder. They make yeah. it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, this episode, I wish it could be called No Lies Detected because <laughs> where is it? It's not here. It doesn't exist. Um, in one infamous example of skewed coverage, an Associated Press photo shows a young black man wading through water that has risen to his chest. He's holding a case of soda and pulling a bag. And the caption says, He had just been looting at the grocery store. (gasps) (laughs) Then a second photo, this time from AFP Getty Images, shows a white couple in the same situation. And the situation was they had no food. They had nothing to drink. So, Mm -hmm. of course, they're taking food and and beverages from the stores Mm -hmm. to survive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The caption on this one said they were finding bread and soda from a local grocery store. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Even worse than these photos and other examples like that were comments from conservative commentators like Bill O'Reilly of Fox News. Oh, what happened to him? <laughs> he Is he okay? denounced I'm just kidding. <laughs> he denounced the poor in New Orleans as drug addicted and thugs. <gasps> yeah, oh all of them, including God. the children and the elderly. What? <laughs> all of them. They're just <laughs> Oh, that guy's so gross. Yeah. And is is he, isn't he dead? No, he's not dead yet. Just me He's alive and well. I think he wrote another book last year. Gross. Um, But he's, he's still. Why isn't he dead yet? um, (laughs) Because, because Satan doesn't want him. (laughs) Is that why only the good die young? I think so. I think so. Uh, so, <laughs> um, unfortunately, many white Americans discounted the claims of racial bias. One of the luxuries of whiteness is the freedom to ignore the existence of race as a construct, especially when it's uncomfortable to do so. And according to the Pew Research Center, 77 percent of white people said the government response would have been the same if the victims had been white. Okay, guys. And 32% said the event showed that racial inequality was still a major problem. Only 32%. Only 32%. mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. Research and polling also showed a white public that held the survivors in contempt. In a 2006 study that examined white and black attitudes toward Katrina victims, Political scientists Leonie Huddy and Stanley Feldman found that 65% of white respondents blamed residents and the mayor for being trapped in New Orleans. And part of this has to do with the reporting, I have to say. I think that you are absolutely right. I also think at, in this was 2005, 2006, we weren't as good, at least I wasn't, at discerning information. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't as yeah, good because it, it I remember not understanding the situation until like days later. Yeah. Like yeah. when it was happening, mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. Yeah. Or even understanding the coverage. I don't think 
news people do this anymore, but when there was a natural disaster, sticking a camera in people's faces, like, yeah. what are you doing How, here? How's it going? Yeah. Does life suck How for does you it feel right to now? almost have died? Yeah. You know, and just we all seem to know better. And little by little, we're all doing better. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, let's get into the early life of, what's his name? Joseph Brandt. Joseph Brandt. <laughs> Hit it, Beth. So unfortunately, I could find nothing about Brandt's early life. Nothing. Not even his date of birth. Mm. But based on his stated age in various articles, Brandt was probably born around 1971. In one article, he was quoted as saying that he had an eighth grade education. During later court proceedings, one forensic psychologist diagnosed him with schizoaffective disorder, which is a mental health disorder that is marked by a combination of schizophrenia symptoms, such as hallucinations or delusions, and mood disorder symptoms, such as depression or mania. Yeah, it's kind of like a cross between uh, schizophrenia and bipolar. It's not good. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. And without further ado, let's get into the timeline. What happened? Hit it, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, court records show that Joseph Brandt was in and out of jail for a series of petty offenses around the time of the killings. He had been arrested for cocaine possession, possession of stolen property, and criminal damage to property, among other offenses. So he. Yeah, I I don't know. He was uh not a good guy. <laughs> he I well he, he was a he was busy in terms of his criminal offenses, but I'm glad yes. that we pointed Very out busy. <laughs> that he he had been diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder after these crimes took place, and I wonder how much of his mental health is uh a part of his survival and crime story, you know. Yeah, don't know. We don't know, but I have many questions. Anyway, Brent was cruising Galvage Street. <laughs> cruising. Oh, cruising. so fun. Yeah. Remember, Remember those cruising? days? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was cruising Galvage Street on October 17, 2007, when he spotted a woman and solicited her for sex. After she rejected his advance, he pulled a knife on her, then strangled her to death while trying to rape her. Although this woman has never been identified, she has been referred to as Jane Doe. And she was certainly a human being who had people that loved her, and she did not deserve the ending that she got. Yeah. Brandt then placed the woman's body inside a stolen car that had been abandoned in a secluded area near train tracks. He then poured gasoline on her body and set her on fire in order to cover up the murder. And Jane Doe was found burned beyond recognition inside the charred stolen car. Mm. On January 11, 2008, Jody Johnson, 47, was murdered. Jody was a former cheerleader and homecoming queen from Warner Robins, Georgia, who joined the U.S. Navy. She became addicted to painkillers for migraines while serving in the Philippines, and she fell on hard times. Her father said she left Georgia with her boyfriend so that he could work in New Orleans as a carpenter. According to Brandt, he saw Jody walking in the seventh ward, and he solicited her for sex. He then drove her to a remote area and forced her to perform oral sex on him with a gun to her head. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Then he forced her out of the car into an overgrown vacant lot, shot her in the head and set her body on fire with gasoline. On August 11th, 2008, 32-year-old Jessica Hawk was stabbed to death in her Chartres Street home in Bywater. 
Jessica, an Ohio botanist, moved to Uptown New Orleans in 2003 to begin a new job. She evacuated the city before Hurricane Katrina and the levee failures. Then she moved to Bywater two months later. Jessica worked as an entomologist with the Audubon Institute and was awarded the first post-Katrina scholarship for graduate study in the biology department at the University of New Orleans. She was scheduled to begin her dream job at the New Orleans Botanical Garden at City Park the week following her death. Oh, man. Yeah, it's sad. According to her friends and family, Jessica just loved New Orleans. Her aunt said, quote, she lost her house in Katrina, but she moved closer to the French Quarter where this happened. She was just a good girl. She rode her bike all around town and just loved being here in New Orleans, unquote. Friends became concerned when they hadn't heard from her for a day and more so after she failed to show up for work. New Orleans police performing a wellness check found Jessica dead on the floor of her home. She'd been stabbed to death. So these are escalating. Yes. And the first two were outside. Mm -hmm. And then this one was inside of the home. And and I couldn't find any information about, like, how did it get into the home or anything like that. Yeah. Well, gosh, what would we do without the OG of true crime? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to know. Anyway, inaccurate information gathered from canvassing Bywater led authorities to release a sketch of a potential subject that bore no resemblance to Brent. (laughs) Not a one. Didn't even look uh, remotely like him. Forensic evidence recovered from Hawk's home was inconclusive. And those two facts helped her case go cold for years. Then on September 27th, 2008, Kirsten Brydom, 25, was murdered. Kirsten was an activist from San Francisco who had come to town as a volunteer. She was the organizer of a monthly San Francisco gathering called the Really, Really Free Market, (laughs) at which people exchanged goods and services. People brought their rummage to the park on the last Saturday of the month and gave it away. That is such a wonderful idea. Yeah, it is. Wow. Oh, I hope somebody kept that going. According to friends and family, Kirsten loved the freedom of traveling and of cycling. Her friend Frank Lindsay said, quote, She was just an amazing individual that did things all directed at helping our planet peacefully coexist, unquote. That's dope. Nice. Yeah. Two months prior, Kirsten left San Francisco to tour the United States via Amtrak. As part of her trip, she protested outside the Republican National Convention in St. Paul, Minnesota, and spoke with housing activists in Philadelphia. Mm. She had arrived in New Orleans two days before her body was found. Oh, man. In the early morning hours of September 27th, she was last seen alive riding her bike after socializing at a nightclub. Later that day, police found Kirsten's body abandoned in the Ninth Ward on Lausat Place in the Florida neighborhood, about three miles northeast of the French Quarter. Brant sexually assaulted her before shooting her in the head, then robbed her of her bicycle and tote bag. According to Brant, he was on his way to buy gasoline to burn the body when he got into a car accident, so he ended up abandoning Kirsten's body on the street. What? I was wondering in the last one, like, did he have the gasoline with him? But no, he does the murder and then it's like, I need to go get me some gasoline. And, gets gasoline and then he and goes comes back. on down to the QT and comes yeah, back. Wow. Which is nuts. Yeah. yeah. That's unorganized. I mean, not, not very well planned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm learning so much on this show. Anyway, uh, so because she was found without a wallet or purse, Police initially believed her death occurred during a robbery gone wrong. 
Her body lay in the New Orleans morgue for two days before she was identified. At the time that Jessica and Kirsten were killed, some suspected a link between the two murders. Jessica's murder occurred less than two miles from where Kirsten was killed and a little more than a month later. Their youth and the fact that they were recent arrivals to New Orleans fueled early speculation that their deaths could be linked. And I would also say that their social status also linked to them, whereas yeah. uh, the earlier, the two earlier women mm-hmm. were of a different status. Socioeconomic caste, if you will. Yes. 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 So now let's get into the investigation and the arrest. So in 2010, police released a composite sketch of a man wanted for questioning and Jessica Hawk's murder. And that same year, Crime Stoppers increased a reward for information leading to an arrest in the case to $25,000, but no solid suspect was developed. The killing eventually became a cold case tasked to NOPD detective Winston Harbin. And fun fact about my boy, Winston. (laughs) (laughs) Ever heard of hashtag original wobble cop? Wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble baby. Come on. Get up. uh. Yeah, yeah. Get up. uh. So anyway, that's him. Officer Harbin doing the famous wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble baby dance in a Santa Claus outfit. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited to find this fact and bring it to the pod. So just for those who don't know, the wobble line dance is a popular line dance in the black community. And we do it at weddings and at parties. It's also popular at clubs, bars and schools and dances. But anybody from New Orleans knows Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby. And this detective (laughs) has a viral video involving the dance. Anyway, back to the story. Sorry. (laughs) So a break in the case finally came in September of 2013. Harbin received information about a possible suspect and traveled to Texas to speak with Brent who was incarcerated on unrelated burglary charges and was serving an 11-year sentence in Beaumont, Texas. Brandt confessed to Hawk's murder during the interview with Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby, Wobble Cop, (laughs) Detective Harbin, and the detective secured an arrest warrant on February 5th, 2014. Brandt was charged with second-degree murder and obstruction of justice in the death of Jessica Hawk. you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. 
So now let's get into the trial. What the what, Beth? Well, there was no trial. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) So at first, Brant's attorneys raised questions about his mental competency. And Brant refused to cooperate with a mental competency evaluation, becoming disruptive during a court appearance in October and refusing deputies' directives to come to court on December 1st. But five days later, he was deemed competent by a court-appointed panel of doctors. And in December of 2016, Brant pleaded guilty to Jessica Hawk's murder. He offered Hawk's relatives no statement and no reason for Jessica's murder. Jessica's aunt, Danita Shedden, said that she was glad that there was no trial. Quote, we wouldn't have been able to handle a trial. This already has been like reliving it all over again. But seeing him sitting there with nothing to say, no care about what he'd done, just made me seem more determined not to cry when I spoke to him and to be strong for Jessica, Mm. unquote. Wow. Yeah. Both Danita Shedden and Jessica's brother, Brandon Hawk, read victim impact statements directed to Brandt in court. Brandon also read a statement written by Jessica's grandmother, Bonnie Hawk. Quote, the pain is so bad, I feel like I'm smothered and can't catch my breath. Words cannot express the devastation of losing her. As you stand before a judge in court today, I have no vengeance toward you. It will be enough knowing you will never be able to hurt anyone else again. Someday you will stand before a higher judge and your soul will be on trial, unquote. (sighs) Granny dropped the mic. Yeah. Yeah. So Brant was sentenced to life in prison to be served after he finished his time in Texas. Then in January of 2018, Brant confessed to the other three murders. Authorities sent an investigator to the prison outside Huntsville, Texas, after Brandon told his attorneys he wanted to provide information on other unsolved killings in New Orleans. So I don't I couldn't figure out exactly how this occurred if he just offered it up. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. And I don't know why, but in exchange, he wanted an agreement that he would not face the death penalty and that he would serve his sentence in a Louisiana penitentiary. Mm-hmm. So it may be that he wanted to go to Louisiana. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't, maybe I don't things really got know. uncomfortable in Texas. Well, I hear that Texas sucks. So <gasps> Wait, I haven't heard that. <laughs> I, I, I thought number one destination but... <laughs> in the world for anybody who's marginalized or poor or. But I can't believe that Louisiana prisons are any better. So I don't know. <laughs> Good point. Good good point. Oh, my God. There are no lies in any of your statements. So after this agreement, he then gave detailed confessions to killing the three women. But it was a hot mess. In yep. multiple court appearances, he yelled and swore at officials, hollering and carrying on. And at one point, he refused to sign the plea document. In 2019, an Orleans Parish Criminal District Court judge ruled he was mentally incompetent and could not stand trial. Get out of here. We don't have time for this nonsense. (laughs) A forensic psychologist said he believed that Brandt suffered from schizoaffective disorder, saying, quote, his symptoms seem to fluctuate and schizoaffective disorder involves a combination of symptoms of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, unquote. After treatment in a mental health facility, the case was allowed to go forward in February of 2020. Then, (laughs) remember this bitch, COVID caused all kinds of delays in proceedings as everything, including the courthouse, closed down. After the pandemic delays, court proceedings 
finally picked up again in 2021. Brandt pleaded guilty to three counts of first-degree murder in a plea deal that spared him the death penalty. Brandt finally signed his plea form, but at a hearing, he continued to interrupt the judge and lawyers. After hearing a detective account of his confession, Brandt said, quote, He's saying stuff I didn't even tell him, ma'am, unquote. <laughs> Brandt acknowledged killing the women, but said he, quote-unquote, only kidnapped Brydam and did not have sex with her or the victims, despite his confession about forcing them to perform oral sex. Okay. Are you lying then or are you lying now? Hmm? Yeah. (laughs) Even as Brandt entered his final plea, he had another outburst in court. He began berating his own public defenders, calling one a fucking two-legged dog. Oh! Yeah. And then saying, quote, he always got some fucking bullshit going on, unquote. Wow. You know, I love uh, this guy's a monster, but he really said what he meant with his chest. Yeah. He gave it all. He gave he gave it his all. He didn't hold back. And uh, he's still going to jail, though. Anyway, Brant refused to move forward until a black attorney arrived to represent him. Then at last, he pleaded guilty to the three counts of first degree murder. So where are they now? Tell us, Beth. Well, in 2018, Jessica Hawk's brother, Brandon Hawk, said his family travels regularly to New Orleans to maintain a garden that had been erected in his sister's honor. That is so beautiful. Yeah. On the other hand, Kristen Brydam's mother, Mamie Page, who lives in California, said the idea of traveling to New Orleans is too painful. She said she is glad authorities can close their investigation into her daughter's killing, but a sense of healing remains elusive for her family. Quote, there is no closure for losing a child in such a way. Mm. It's horrible and it's unfathomable Mm -hmm. because knowing her, you can't imagine anyone would want to hurt her. Unquote. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So now let's get into our takes and what we think made Brant snap. Okay. What do you got, Beth? Well, he would have been around 36 uh-huh. when he committed the first murder, the uh, Jane Doe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have a hard time believing it was his first. I because... do too, just based on how things went. Yeah. Well, not only that, but serial killers don't usually start that old. Right. And also the schizoaffective the, uh, disorder. I, the disorder. Yeah. That's not something that manifests usually in your 30s. That's something that manifests in your 20s normally, yeah, right? I, I think so. Yes. Or at least earlier than 36. Right. Like it, it I mean, could that's start ancient. manifesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have no idea what made him snap. Mm. I wish I knew more about his early life. Yeah, it sounds same. like he only had an eighth grade education. So yeah. it doesn't sound like he had a great childhood. Yeah, it sounds so. like there were uh, challenges based on his rap sheet. Um, survival oh, yeah. was for sure on his priority list. But I think This is all speculation, but mental health challenges and, again, trying to survive, he, I think, that contributed to his willingness to harm other people. Yeah, his desire to hurt other people. Right, right. And I was thinking about schizoaffective disorder symptoms. Again, it's odd to me that they manifest in your close to 40 is something I didn't know happened. And I was surprised given that this happened that we don't know more about this case or the perpetrator's early lives or more about the lives of the victims. 
there yeah, at the there time, really wasn't very much out there about this story, which is is also odd because weird. we had yeah. the internet around Katrina. We had MySpace. We had social media profiles, even though they were you know rudimentary. I guess Facebook was right. around, um, but the details of the case must have slipped through the cracks, given all the disasters that came after it. You know, the, yeah. there's the aftermath of Katrina and then there's COVID-19. And I think there was an oil spill in between there somewhere. Like, yeah, probably. there was a lot going on. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm glad the three of the victims' families got to see the person responsible get convicted and put away. But weirdly, yeah. I also thought a lot about how this case provided different examples of what the loved ones left behind think and how they feel and try to exist in a world without their loved ones like yeah visiting the city and the garden and not, you know, not one, being able not to being visit able the city. to yeah 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 and i also hope that one day jane doe gets identified yeah yeah so now let's get into how not to get murdered okay <clears throat> if you love true crime and you don't want to die here's a tip for you Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. All right, y'all, this is an oldie but goodie, but I found myself watching The Real Housewives of Potomac this week, and they did an event for survivors of sexual assault. Oh, wow. And also talked about um, th they did a self-defense class. And oh. there was a lady who was like an expert or talking head. And she was saying the best thing that we can teach our children and people of the world is to trust your gut. You know, yeah. you might not always be able to make a plan. You might not be always be able to get a weapon or take a self-defense, but your gut is there to tell you whether something what, ain't right, something ain't right yeah. and listen to it. Trust your gut. So. That's an oldie but goodie, but we welcome any How Not to Get Murder tips. I think some came in over the break, so I have to get my shit together and organize them <laughs> and get them on the show. But yes, let us know. You know how to get at us. Yeah. You have anything to add, Ben? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into shout out time where we shout out any content by people of color, any marginalized folks or any true crime goodies. Okay. I just wanted to shout out a podcast called Oluranati. Hmm. It's a play on words, Illuminati and Olurin. Oh. Olurin is a she's from the Bahamas. She's a criminal defense attorney in New York and she is an activist and she has a podcast that she released recently, a recent episode, Olay's Election Survival Guide. And she can't even vote, but she's telling us all what the stakes are, what perspectives we should consider. And it's a chef's kiss of an episode. It's long, but it's worth it. And I've watched it more than once, but just a guide nice. on what to look for and consider going into this election season. Oh, thank you. What do you got? I wanted to shout out a podcast that I listened to over the break. It just started, so there's not a lot of episodes, but mm -hmm. it's called The Greatest True Crime Stories Ever Told, oh. and it's by a woman named Mary Kay McBriar, oh. and she's a writer. Uh -huh. She, I think she's also a professor, Oh, and I'm not really sure, but she might be a woman of color. Okay, okay. But in any case, I really, I'm enjoying the podcast. And the way that the stories are told, mm -hmm. because it goes into a lot of history and psychology, which is my jam. What? So, okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so I, I love really it. Like that one. Okay, yeah. and then I wanted to shout out Echo on Disney Plus and Hulu. Yes! Have you watched it? Yeah. Oh <laughs> yes, we did. Oh, I oh, loved it. The, loved it. Oh, it was so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and the ancestors and the indigenous stuff and yes, the yes, yeah. the, the one leg and the sign language. <laughs> the, wow. So it's an extension of the Marvel universe. The protagonist, Echo, Mm -hmm. is a Choctaw woman who is deaf and also an amputee. Um, I'm loving all the Choctaw legends and mythology in the show. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. And the actress, Alakwa Cox, Mm -hmm. is amazing. Mm -hmm. And she actually is deaf and an amputee. I know. (laughs) She does her own studs. Like, yeah. I was like, move out of the way, old whitey. This is, <laughs> this is my new love interest. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. yeah, and the fight scenes are really fun. Like, oh. sometimes with action mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. the fight scenes are so chaotic. Like, it just, it's like too much. Yeah. And it, it's, it's boring. Yeah. Because there's just too much going on. Yeah. But the fight scenes in this one are really good. Oh, I just love this. I'm going to watch it again. And again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. It was so really good. good. Okay, so just to recap those things, Renati, which is a podcast wherever you get your podcast, specifically the episode Olay's Election Survival Guide. Also, another podcast, The Greatest True Crime Stories Ever Told, wherever you get your podcasts. And buckle up, hold on to your butts. Echo <laughs> on Disney Plus and Hulu is amazing (laughs) oh no it's the end of the show yeah we're here all right well in the meantime beth where can the people find us our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use fruit loops pod for all of our social media the footnotes for each episode can be found on our website plus check it out for the different ways that you can support the show also join us on patreon where we have literally hundreds of hours of bonus content Mm. You can also support us by supporting our sponsors or by giving us a five-star review. Five stars only, please. Five stars only, please. (laughs) Also, don't forget to subscribe. That's right. This is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. Sorry, I got confused there for a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> let me let me let me read that again. I love it. Oh yeah. my god. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm learning so much on this show. <laughs> cruising. Oh, cruising. so fun. Yeah. Remember, Remember those cruising? days? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Lady, really, Barbara, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Could somebody get Barbara out of here, please? <laughs> Where's the line? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Oh. She did it again. (laughs) Hashtag be like Beth.
Anyway, <laughs> deluge, 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 I don't know, deluge for days. I'm sorry. I was just looking around for no lies detected. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> the British exiled them. Jerks. Resulting in a... In, I'm just kidding. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so title of Jordan Peele's next movie, White Flight. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be terrifying. And Lake Borny, Born, Borny? Born, probably. Lake Born to the east. Out on the bayou. <laughs> now, unrelated burglary, bur- burglary. Huh? burglary charges. <laughs> burglary. <laughs> boogaloo. Oh, no, not electric boogaloo charges. No. <laughs> unrelated, though. <laughs> M I crooked letter I humpback humpback crooked letter I I got it wrong again. Dang. Or he had a poop accident in college. Yeah, and one now or they the other, or both. Okay. <laughs> We're not. Hey, true. hey, let me. Um, what do we do now? Did we do our our phone number and stuff? No, let's do that. Okay. Woo! Oops. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly of Fox News. Oh, what happened to him? <laughs> Ugh, that guy's so gross. Yeah, and is, it, is he? Isn't he dead? No, Beth, he's no. not dead yet. Just he's me alive wishing. and well. I Ugh. think he. He's Why still, isn't he dead yet? Um, because <laughs> because Satan doesn't want him. <laughs> this episode, I wish it could be called "No Lies Detected." Because <laughs> where is it? It's not here. It doesn't exist. That's him, Officer Harbin, what? doing the famous what? wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble baby dance in a Santa Claus outfit. Oh my God, That's I couldn't nuts. believe it. I was so excited to find this fact and bring it to the pod. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. <laughs> 